0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Catherine Pierce, and I am the Poet Laureate for the State of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets are writing right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, chat for a bit, and maybe learn a fun fact or two. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Amy Nizuka Matatil to the podcast today. Amy Nizuka Matatil is the author of the Nature Essay Collection, World of Wonders, the Barnes and Noble 2020 Book of the Year, and four collections of poetry, most recently Oceanic. Awards for her writing include a Guggenheim and a Mississippi Institute of Arts and Letters Poetry Prize, and she is professor of English at the University of Mississippi. Amy, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. So what are you going to be reading for us?
1: Thanks so much, Katie. I'm going to read um, a poem just based on um, some high school and elementary school memories and and just kind of reflecting in on that. And this is called, On Listening to Your Teacher Take Attendance. Breathe deep even if it means you wrinkle your nose from the fake lemon antiseptic of the mopped floors and wipe down doorknobs the freshly soaped necks and armpits your teacher means well even if he butchers your name like he has a bloody sausage casing stuck between his teeth handprints on his white sloppy apron and when everyone turns around to check out your face no need to flush red and warm Just picture all the eyes as if your classroom is one big scallop with its dozens of icy blues. And you will remember that winter your family took you to the China Sea and you sank your face in it to gaze at baby clams and sea stars the size of your outstretched hand. And when all those necks start to crane, try not to forget someone once lathered their bodies once padded them dry with a fluffy towel after a bath, set out their clothes for the first day of school. Think of their pencil cases from third grade, full of sharp pencils, a pink pearl eraser. Think of their handheld pencil sharpener and it's tiny blade.
0: Ah, uh, Thank you, Amy, I love that poem so much and I've taught that poem a bunch of times. Thank you so much for reading that. Could you tell us something about the writing of that poem? Just give us some kind of little insight or kernel into your writing process there or something you were thinking about as you were writing that poem.
1: Yeah, you know, I I did not sit out, um, as as I never do with any of my poems, to say I will be writing about blank you know, because I think the minute I do have that idea is when I absolutely can't write anything about that. You know, if I start saying, I will write about nature, I will actually not write about nature in the slightest. Um, and so I, w- I didn't even know I was writing a poem. This was kind of, it started from just what I call um, morning pages, just journaling. And I was just pondering <laughs> a, a recent event, not, um, you know, within the last five years uh, where an educator had um butchered my name. And I just kept I wrote that phrase down, butchered my name. And I just was pondering that, pondering that. Um, and it was more of just reflecting, like, you know, and this, and and I've gotten this all my life. And I'm I'm really truly um never upset when someone tries or asks a question about my long last name. It's just when they make fun of it. That's when I just I have no tolerance for that anymore. Yeah. And I just remember, I still remember I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a professor and I remember I can name elementary and high school teachers that took the time to learn my name, mm-hmm. never made fun. And I also remember the teachers who made fun of my name and who encouraged others to call me names that were not mine, you know? Um, Amy Alphabet is one, um, Amy wow. Nebuchadnezzar, Amy... Um, oh, I mean, even like majorly just not so great names, <laughs> and I, la- I can laugh about it now, but it, this poem just kind of stemmed from that phrase, what does it mean to butcher a name? And then the rest of it, as I tried to do in my life, um, tried to give people the benefit of the doubt, tried to remember them even as humans too. And that is really hard for me when it comes to someone making fun of my background. So it was a kind of a practice for me to be like, well, they were kids once too, and they didn't start out jerks, you know, that was taught to them and it was taught to them. And so those lines I kept in there about like, think of the time, you know, and I, this is, I'm a mother and, and my kids at the time were young. I was thinking of my most vulnerable time, the most tender, one of the most tender moments as being a mom is remembering bathing my own children and thinking like, you know, I don't know if there's any mother who can do that and think, oh, my son is going to grow up to this racist, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So I tried to get my headspace back there to give grace to those people who maybe didn't know better or weren't taught very well as a way to just not feel peace about it, but as a way to give grace when grace wasn't extended to me.
0: Thank you. I love that. I mean, I think that that poem is, it's such a, um, It's such a wonderfully complex poem. I mean, I think the way that you, just like you were saying, the way you kind of address your subject matter and then kind of weave these other layers into it is something that I just, I really love about that poem. And I think that it's a poem that it surprises in its construction, the way it kind of goes on and the way you do bring in, you know, think about who these people were when they were children. Think about this, you know, stretch your imagination toward this. I love that. Thank you so much for reading that poem. I just love that poem. One more question for you, actually a couple more, but one more. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start off writing poetry or maybe someone who already is writing poetry and wants to do some more of it or get better at it? What's what's some advice that would be useful, do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, um, of course, I uh, I tell my boys this. I, my eldest is in ninth grade now, and he kind of rolls his eyes. is like, yes, mom, I know, I know. But um, it's to read, read, read. But I think, and I, I know um, educators say that all the time, but it's truly the thing that gets me excited um, about trying to make my own words in, in my own order, you know. But I would say something that's very tangible that you could do today is to try and be a noticer, and um, I find that has been helping me through a pandemic, through whatever, um, through happiness, through sad times. When you just notice things and you take time to unplug and not be staring at a screen, and I'm not anti-screen. I just try to, you know, relegate it as much as possible. Just keep it. Um, not for entertainment, Uh, the bulk of your entertainment, this is the mom and me coming out. I say, should not be from a screen. Try not to be beholden to electricity for fun is what I tell my boys and they're like, yes, mom. But they are 11 and 14 and I'm so proud that they can actually play. They can daydream, they can sit still and read a book and not be holding an iPad, you know? So I would say tangible thing, when it means be a noticer, you can get a 50 cent notebook and just, they don't have to be full poems, especially if you're just starting out, but maybe you can try to describe the colors in your backyard. And as a challenge, try not to use any, not try not to name any colors that are in a pack of Crayola 64 crayons, but to invent your own colors. So if you say, oh, the sky is pink, pink is a color in Crayola. So maybe you can say, this guy is the color of the inside of a frog's lung. You know, that's just yeah. like a, a noticer, but you, it also lets you be a little bit creative to try, you know, if you want inspiration, you can go with your folks to Home Depot or Lowe's and try to get paint samples for inspiration. But I think that's a tangible way for, all, you know, my students as young as elementary school to grad students, they love naming colors. And that's something that you can do today, just in a notebook. See if you can name the colors in your bedroom, name the colors in the sky right now at this moment, but do not use um, Crayola as your starting point.
0: I love that. I love that so much. That's, I want to start doing that. I do something kind of similar with some of my college students where I give them um, Pantone postcards of different colors. And I ask them to describe the color in two ways that are literal and one way that is metaphorical. So this is the color of this, the color of that, and the color of maybe this emotion or the way it feels when you, you know, drop your tray in the cafeteria and everybody looks at you or whatever.
1: Yes, exactly. There's something about color that I think no matter your experience level, everybody has something to say about a color and you can tap into feelings and emotions and tones just from looking at a color. You know what excites you, what alarms you, what soothes you. And also, right now, um, we're in a pandemic. So it's what I call low-stakes writing. And I feel like if you just start with describing color, that can, you know, be worked into a fully, you know, a fully drafted poem later, you know. But for right now, just, just try to notice colors, try to notice smells, try to notice... Um, See if you can describe favorite tastes. but color is my go-to as well.
0: All right. One more question for you before we go. Uh, What, Amy, is your favorite sea creature? I know you have feelings about sea creatures. What is your favorite sea creature?
1: Oh, my goodness. Now, this is such... This might be the most difficult question um, (laughs) I've been asked all year because, as Katie knows, it is very... um, very difficult on any given minute of my day I can change. So I'm trying to be not precious about this. And, and really, this is really vexing me. Um,
0: we, can, we can lower I, those stakes too, Amy. We could say your favorite sea creature at this moment with the and that it might change tomorrow.
1: Yes, yes, it, knowing this change even after I log off here. Let me say for right now, um, a blanket octopus has given me a lot of joy. A blanket octopus, if you don't know what that is, that's your homework assignment to look that up. It just, it changes colors. And when it's trying to, um, when it's relaxing, it unfurls. Um, it's got two, they look like blankets dangling from its arms. Um, do you know this one, Katie? You know a lot of it. I do, no, I think I have to look it up. Oh my goodness. Please uh, look this up on YouTube for your boys. They will be yeah. amazed. It also changes color, you know, because I'm a giant nerd. Um, people who love octopuses otop- know that they change color when they sleep, but the blanket octopus changes color, just chilling out. And uh, it's, it's beautiful when it moves. So please do look that up. I guarantee you'll be, even if you're in a, a not great mood. You will smile when you see the blanket octopus move.
0: Oh, I love it. All right. I'm looking that up as soon as, as soon as we finish up here. Thank you for that. All right. And Amy, where, if people wanted to find more of your work, where would you like to point them to?
1: Oh, you know, um, you can look me up at any independent bookstore. Um, but I would say my my most recent book, um, is taught in high schools as, as well as, um, colleges and that is a it's a collection of essays so I feel a little guilty it's not poetry but um, I love poetry I always will Um, that's my my first love Um, but they're short little nature essays and that's from Milkweed uh, Editions but any any independent bookstore will be able to get get that you just need to be able to spell my last name
0: and that will be available online because we're going to have this podcast up there so if you need to find this name you can find it there All right, well, Amy Nizuka Matatil, thank you so much for talking with me today. It is always such a delight to talk to you and such a pleasure to hear your thoughts about writing. So, and of course, also about um, Octopus. So thank you. you. And um, yes, stay tuned everybody for more Mississippi Poetry Podcasts coming up later on down the road. Thank you, Amy.
1: Thank you, Katie.